The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Coffee and Cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Hey, top of the hour here on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency, live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club, 590 ESPN Omaha, 1480 ESPN Lincoln, live on YouTube, live on Twitter. Happy to have you with us on this fine Monday morning, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Hopefully you're enjoying your day off at home and listening to the show. And um, I, I know one person isn't on a day off, and he's on the show with us right now. It's Sam McC- and good morning, Sam. Good morning. Hey, no navigating school drop-offs, though. That's a bonus, right? Ooh, big bonus. Big bonus. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, don't tell my daughter I told you this, but one day last week, we had to take the son to orchestra and, the, and drop the daughter off roughly the same time, and the daughter might have been tardy for that first first period by a few minutes (laughs) they go to different schools so you know yeah a little bit of a navigation believe me i get it i'm i'm lucky two of my kiddos their school is only about three minutes apart so that that definitely helps Let, let me ask you something real quick before we get to the huskers because here you guys are both you and andrew and that josh fields you're, you're playing in that you're playing in that fields just Justin. Justin Fields world. I say Josh, the other not good quarterback, his younger brother. So if because I heard this with Purdy about if he makes a run to the Super Bowl, all of a sudden Lance is on the market. the The Bears brass says, "Hey, we'd have to be wowed by a quarterback to make a move." At what point would you move off of a rookie quarterback contract? To, to to grab another one, Sam? Well, I don't think they're going to do that. Um, I think you would have to go through, um, if you're talking the Bears, you'd have to assess that uh, well, you thought Bryce Young was that much better. Um, I guess C.J. Stroud still hasn't made a decision, so I guess he'll, he'll announce that today. Um. But I don't think Stroud is much, if any, better than Fields. Uh, so, you know, um, you'd have to decide that Bryce Young was a lot better. In San Francisco's case, they're, they're in an interesting situation because, you know, I, I can certainly see a circumstance in which Trey Lance is, is the best of those three players because of what he can give you with his feet. Uh, but... in they're clearly good enough to win the Super Bowl right now, and they might. Mm. You know, I, in fact, I'm gonna. I, I would pick them to play in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, I, I, I think that's. I think there's a good chance of that happening, and and 
So, you know, they don't have to, they don't have to play Trey. They, they can move him to somewhere else. Uh, certainly the, you know, the Houston Texans may be interested. There's, there's just a lot of things that you could potentially do, but Brock, the teams will catch up to Brock Purdy. Mm-hmm. Eventually they will. And so they're going to, you know, that's the assessment the 49 will have to make. I think Justin Fields will be the Bears quarterback. I, I just don't know that Bryce Young, even though I think he's a better player, if he's a fit for, for what the Bears are doing, if the Bears don't have a dome. And I don't think they're going to have a dome anytime soon. So, uh, like the next four or five years. So, uh, Fields is probably the best way to go. Hey, as we look the direction of the Huskers now and all the news that happened over the weekend, uh, the one that stuck out most was Walter Rouse decommitting or uncommitting, I believe is the grammatical way to say that and uh, the portal giveth the portal taketh kind of kind of thing yeah. what did you make right. of Walter Rouse saying bye-bye as quickly as he said hello not much uh, I think he just had a good old-fashioned flip and that's too bad for Nebraska um, this one thing I will say is that he wasn't probably going to be well he wasn't going to be in spring camp it was going to be one of these. Hey, we'll see. We'll see in the summer, and, and he may very well be a very good player uh, for for Oklahoma. And in fact, I expect he will. One of the things I wrote when I wrote the three takes uh, about him committing is I'm I was like, very rarely does Nebraska beat Oklahoma and Iowa for an offensive lineman. Mm. Very hard to beat Oklahoma. Uh, it's very hard. Um, they win more. Uh, you know they they don't. Oklahoma doesn't care about much more than winning. So I'm sure the NIL money was competitive. And their coach, you know, their, their head coach can talk a real game. You know, he, I don't know how it's going to go there for them. I, in fact, I'm skeptical, and I've said that. Like, they're either going to be really good or they're not. But, you know, their, their head coach can, 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 can recruit. He, he can talk people into a lot of things. So I don't know how things are going to go there. I don't know if the coaches, the head coach's words – match up with his actions during the week. That's probably the thing we're going to find out about Brent Venables. Um, and I think that is true of that rule. I don't know if it's true of Venables. <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, but, uh, but it's hard to beat Oklahoma. It's very hard to beat Oklahoma for any recruit that Oklahoma wants. And it hasn't happened very many times at Nebraska that they've beaten Oklahoma. Um, it's, it's always been challenging. You can go all the way. You can go back 40 years. Turner Gill was one of the few they won, and Leotis Flowers was another, but there haven't been that many along the way, uh, and there's a reason for that. And so, you know, I, I wasn't stunned that he flipped Oklahoma. Sam, when you're taking a look at kind of the direction, you, we now have a pretty good picture that we think Nebraska's moving. Um, mm-hmm. Whether they have, uh, you know, the staff is in place. We see what he's trying to do with a couple of extra hires or additional hires. Uh and how the fiscal spending is going? Are you are you intrigued? Are you impressed? Like it seems like there's a clear cut plan on how to divvy up the monies. Like, or are you like? What's your takeaway from the from like the fiscal spending? I'm a little, you know, like we'll probably never get an explanation on these things, but I, I don't quite understand the disparity in some of the salaries. There must be a reason for that that I'm not entirely aware of. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's rare for a running back coach to make $285,000. Um, so, you know, at this level, usually they make more than that. But 
Um, they, you know, I'm sure Rule has an understanding of what he wants to do, and uh, the coordinator, the offensive coordinator, is getting paid a lot. You know, some of that I assume is based on what he was making in South Carolina, and I think some of it's based on the responsibility that he's been given. Out of the 15 coordinators in the Big Ten uh, who make one, uh, I think 1.4 million at least. That uh, only four are offensive coordinators. So, A, it tells you a lot about um, the league has a lot of offensive head coaches, which is true. But, B, it, it tells you something about, um, you know, uh, the nature of of the position uh, as a defensive coordinator. And the oftentimes you're just running the whole defense. And maybe Satterfield's going to run the entire offense. He's also going to coach the quarterbacks. Um, I don't, you know – I'm I'm okay with the diamonds and all that and, and you know the development and all that stuff in recruiting. The one position where I'm like, you should get the very best player you can as a quarterback, mm. and we're going to find out um, how good of a quarterback recruiter uh, Satterfield is because that position isn't going to be really recruited by other people. He's the one that's going to have to sell the quarterbacks on coming to Nebraska. He's the one that's going to have to develop them. So that's a big job. And if you combine what uh, Troy Walters was making with what Mario Verduzco was making a couple of years ago, I think you would find that it was over a million. And so Satterfield's got a big job, and, and, and he's, getting, he's getting compensated appropriately. We're speaking with Sam McEwen at SWMcEwenOWH on Twitter, sports editor and Nebraska columnist for the Omaha World Herald and Husker Extra. Sam, you, stay right there. Because as, as you bring up those points about Satterfield, and even if we look back on what happened Friday, day one of the 2023 contact period, Rule was right where Husker Nation would want him to be. And it seems mm-hmm. nothing scares this guy. Well, except for maybe ping pong battles against Maverick Newman, Noonan's mom. <laughs> um, but sure. outside of that, uh, if you didn't believe Rule was a shoot-his-shot type of guy. How about now when he was uh, out recruiting Rayola right away? Right. I think we knew you'd do that, and you have to. Uh, I think you have to show how important it is from the jump. Um, I do think Nebraska will have an opportunity. Uh, you're going to see, I think, a lot of stories about, about his recruitment, and, and obviously I'm sure there's a logical – connection or relationship to going to Georgia and, and trying to continue what's going on there. Uh, my rewind today, I kind of unpacked it. Uh, out of the 22 five-stars, according to 247 Sports Composite, over the last seven classes, the majority of those guys go to a handful of schools. Um, Georgia, I think, got two of them. Alabama got three. Clemson got four. A lot of times these guys transfer. They don't stick around because, including Justin Fields, because they're not going to play, you know. And so I think that's something that any five-star needs to take into account. Um, at the same, In the same token, a five-star quarterback goes to these schools and they're throwing to awfully good receivers right away. And I think one of the things that C.J. Stroud, if he decides to go to the NFL, he's going to have to run the ball just like Justin Fields is because C.J. is playing with the best group of receivers in college football he will be playing with one of the worst group of receivers in the NFL, and that's part of why when Justin Fields got to the NFL, he wasn't throwing it very much because the Bears aren't very good. And so one of the great things, one of the things that quarterbacks like is they go to one of these schools and they got great receivers all over the place. It makes it easier for them. 
Uh, they got a good offensive line. It makes it easier for them. Uh, some of these other teams don't have as many good receivers or linemen, and so the quarterbacks themselves uh, maybe aren't quite as good as they could have been. That's why quarterback evaluation uh, NFL to college is really hard because you, you, you have a tendency to discount the players around um, you know, around the guy. And, and Brock Purdy's playing awfully darn well. Well, Brock Purdy is, has one of the best offensive lines in, in the NFL, and he has one of the best group of skill players in the NFL. Anybody would look good with all those players around. Uh, so a lot of times it's the surrounding cast, and that's something Dylan Rayla will have to think about is what kind of surrounding cast can he have at Nebraska that's good enough to make him want to go there. Let me stay on the recruiting front just here real quick before we get off here, Sam. A couple of schools, obviously Minnesota here, uh, Friday, you know, Nebraska in town, which, by the way, you know, Coach White could have been in California, right? But some things happen. He decides to make the most of it. He's at a couple of schools. He goes to watch wrestling, Metro, never done that before. Uh, you're going to get a couple more schools, Michigan State, Michigan, Wisconsin could be in town uh, this week. When you look at the recruiting prowess in the Big Ten relative to the talent coming out of Nebraska the next year or two, maybe three for some if you're going that deep, is there a school that is on the ra- on your radar right now that you're keeping an eye on that you think could make a move in state? Well, you know that's that's a really good question. I think I think Kansas State, obviously coming yeah. off a Big Twelve title, has an opportunity to to make inroads here. Uh, that's probably one that I would look at, um, especially you know, with climbing and they, and Connor Riley being so highly respected here. Right. Yeah. And, you know, they play an, they run an offense that I think people like. It's a little bit of power. It's a little bit of spread. Um, it's probably the best of what, you know, similar to what Bill Snyder was doing later in his tenure. And so, you know, I think that's probably appealing to people. Um, Iowa's always going to have a foot in the door. I mean, you know, they, Iowa likes to recruit Nebraska and is able to get players out of here that, that uh, that that then become very productive over there. They uh, so that that'll be one to watch. Uh, we'll, with Minnesota, we'll see. You know, I mean, Minnesota uh, just offered uh, uh, the kid from Bellevue West, McMorris, on on Friday, and and you you know you got to want to go play for PJ Flex. Uh, I mean, so so much of it I think is bound up in do you want to to play for him or don't you? Because because he's kind of you know he's a big part of that program. Um, so, yeah, I'd say Kansas State's the one to watch. And then, you know, you just uh, – Dan Lanning at Oregon has not paid a lot of attention to Nebraska so far. Um, I know they've got a couple of players out there from mm-hmm. Nebraska. He recruited a lot of Texas in his first cycle. I don't know if, his, if he'll move his gaze upward to Kansas City and Omaha more. That's where he's from. He's from North Kansas City. So, you always, you always out of the corner of your eye think Oregon – um, but I, but you know, maybe he's wondering if the two players from Nebraska at Oregon are are going to make going to make a move here in the off season. Um, but I could always see Oregon pressing it harder. Sam, as we uh, switch gears here quickly to basketball, because I wanted to get your take on uh, Nebraska's fight against Purdue and the loss of uh, Sam Griesel in that one, and uh, just. 
the adversity that Nebraska had to overcome in that game. Did you – I know that it was a, a big point spread difference, and I, I don't want to really hone in on that, but did you notice, notice any good things in that matchup that they can really take away? Um, not really, no. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be negative. Right. I'm, I'm not. Derek Walker was good before that game. He'll be good again. Uh, you know, Casey made a couple of plays. He's done that already this season. There wasn't any, you know, I, you know, uh, Jamarcus Lawrence made a shot. Well, you know, I mean, I don't know. So no, um, I think each game that Nebraska plays is is a little bit like its own meal, and they have to get off to a good start. They have to they have to kind of play just so to beat any team that's better than they are, and that team has to miss shots. And Nebraska has a strategy. I like what they did against Purdue. Foster, Foster Lawyer made shots. Mm. They're going to do the same thing against Zed Key in Ohio State. You know, they'll double down. They'll double him. They're not going to get beat in the paint, and they're going to force Ohio State, who, by the way, is a good three-point shooting team, to make threes. Um, and maybe Ohio State will, and maybe they won't. So I'm not – I don't take anything negative from that game either, if that makes sense. I don't – I don't have any, you know, negative thoughts about about that contest. Um, you know, I think it was probably a smart pro move to not play Sam. I'm not saying that if it was a game to go to the NCAA tournament or not. I think Sam probably would have played. I, I just, mm-hmm. you know, I think I think it's it's wise to be thoughtful with managing your roster when you're going to play the number three team in the country, and you're probably not going to win. And uh, so, you know. No, I, I, I think that the next game coming up is really big. I think they can beat Ohio State. And then Hoiberg's teams have had a history of beating Penn State. Penn State can really shoot the three, so you better you better have some sort of strategy to resolve that. But they've got a puncher's chance against Penn State, and then they play Northwestern. Winning two of the next three is possible, and they have to find a way to do it. Um, I think that would be the way I would frame it. And each game is its own story. They – this isn't a team that, you know, is on a trajectory. They're just mostly – they're just trying to survive game in, game out. Uh, Sam, uh, talk to your your former colleague, uh, Brian Christofferson, last week. I asked him a question I'll ask you, and I, he, he's done a really good job, I think, of, of kind of breaking this thing down step-by-step step with Xavier Betts over at 24-7. And I, did you do you give it – the eye roll, the shrug, are you intrigued? Are you confident? Right? It's like, here we go again. We've kind of been down this road. What was your initial reaction with all the rumblings and now it's seemingly official? Well, I, I, think, I think a lot of work has been done, um, probably by both sides. I don't know that Nebraska was initially pursuing Bet when he went into the portal, but I think there's been a lot of conversations, and those things have changed. And correct, you know, I think it's I think it's just really it's really smart to 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 just be patient and temper expectations. Like I I think there's a sense of this is an enormously talented player. Like it, it's it's just no question about his talent. Um, you know, Nebraska hasn't had very many players as talented as Xavier. Uh, just effortless. You know, effortless speed, running ability, fluidity, all that stuff. So um, it's not a question of that. I think it's a question of 
you know, he walked away for a year. I think he was burned out on the sport uh, and maybe thinking about what he wanted to do. And I actually think Garrett McGuire will be a good fit for him. I think it'll be a better fit than Mickey Joseph. And and that's not to knock Mickey at all. I just think Mickey is a is is a my way or a highway kind of guy, tough love kind of guy. Um, you're either going to love it or you're not. And I think Garrett being closer to the age of the receivers will have an understanding of where those kids are and the kind of kids they are. And I and I think it's probably going to resonate more with bets. Now that's just a prediction. That may not happen. Um, but you know, I, I I think I think he has a ton of ability and maybe figuring out how he learns best and and trying to incorporate that into the teaching will be something uh, something to watch as well. Um, I think I actually I like Xavier a lot. I think he's an honest guy. I think mm. he's a smart guy. Um, and 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 I don't know that it was the worst thing for him to trust his instinct and not play last year. Uh, I don't know. If, if I wouldn't say he probably had a good year away from the sport, but what I would say is that it may have really driven him to a point where he just didn't want to do it in, anymore. So if he's rekindled that love for it under a new coaching staff that I think is very different from the last one, I think it could be a really good thing. Man, what a one-two punch. He and Marcus Washington could be on the football field too, not to mention yeah. that. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm genuinely curious about this, and it, you may not be the right person to ask. Maybe it's DB. Maybe it's not DB. But, I, you know, I'm just curious about you mentioned the progress that he had to probably make mentally taking the year off. How much progress, like – was there or like what what he really did how he matured on his own do you know like any sort of thing in regard to that light of how how good that actually was for him as a person i really don't know you know xavier has uh, not given given me any interviews or any of our writers either so no i i mean again what i would say is the times that i've talked to him um even you know once after he kind of left the team i i I, I'm a, I appreciate his honesty and and I his intelligence. Like I I you know again I I think it's hard you know it's it's it can be very hard today uh, to to be to be a young person because um, we, we live in an age where you probably have a little bit more freedom than you used to. Mm-hmm. You go back thirty years and you just did what you kind of what you were told, and uh, now you get a little bit more freedom and that can be a little bit dangerous and it can be challenging. On the same time, you can actually figure a few things out for yourself and it can be a good thing in the long run. Sam, I think you're spot on. I, I'm going to go ahead and let you know that, man. Let me get you out of here on 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 this one. If you're looking at jump back to basketball real quick, and, and obviously Ohio State got shocked at home against Minnesota. Uh, Coach Hoiberg has made a ton of progress, kind of playing with a half deck at times. Is there a way that you expect this next month to look to give you an inkling on the trajectory of Nebraska? Or is this kind of encapsulated in this little stretch for the program and nothing more? Oh, I think the next month is enormously important for for his tenure. Mm. Um, how, how, how are they going to do it? Well, I mean, you know, I, you can't just go winless. I mean, yeah. you got to win. Yeah, you got to win some games. Yeah. <laughs> so um, they're going to have to figure out how to do that with Juwan Gary, probably. And I think a lot is going to be asked of Denim and Dawson and Wilhelm Breidenbach and Jamarcus Lawrence. One of them's got to step up. Uh, and there's the one thing Fred can't control. 
is is he can't control whether Vandermeer or Griezmann are going to make shots. That's that's up to them. Um, and he can't, you know, he can't bench anybody for not making shots. He doesn't have the freedom to do it. So mm. I'm sure it's more, you know, stunning to him that Vandermeer's under 30 percent and uh, Griezmann's over 30, but he doesn't take many threes. Probably stunning to him that they're you know 300 and whatever and free throw shooting. You know, those are things he can't control. But what he can't control is putting guys on the floor who are young and ready to contribute and might be on an upward trajectory as players. And they've got to find a way to win two or three in the next month. It's important. Sam, we appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much. We'll talk again next week. Take care. Thanks, Sam. And that's Sam McEwen from the Omaha World Herald. Again, toss him a follow on Twitter. That is at SW McEwen OWH. When we come back, there's something else that I want to bring up to you. And it was something that Sam said, and I think we can really expand on that point of the conversation. I I don't want to tease anything more. I I enjoy my Mondays with Sam. He's one of my As you said, therapeutic. One of my favorites. (laughs) Therapeutic. We'll talk more next on Coffee and Cream here on Hale Varsity Radio.